This is the official podcast of the Academy for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine Anniversary Interviews, celebrating 10 years of progress. This is your host, Michelle Lin. We're speaking today with Dr. Kinjal Sethiraman, who is Assistant Director of Hyperbaric Medicine at the University of Maryland and past president of AWEM from 2017 to 2018. She speaks about how AWEM has been her life vest and how being part of AWEM has influenced how she writes and negotiates and how often she thinks about what other people think of her, which happens to be very little and also makes her my hero. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you spend your time these days? So I do, uh, well, academically, I spend um, 70, my job is 75% hyperbaric medicine and then 25% emergency medicine. I also uh, interview for the med school, I interview for the um, MD-PhD program, and um, the rest of my time, so that's work, the rest of my time is uh, um, surrounded with um, anything and everything related to my kids. Great. Um, and what initially motivated your involvement with AOM? I know we, we always remember that moment when you know that this is something that's going to be a part of your life for a really long time. I was in uh, Seoul, South Korea, living there for about a year. And um, Esther Chu came to visit. Um, and so um, she uh, was talking about this women in medicine organization. We had talked about women in medicine issues um, as residents together. And so she's like, Kendall, this is perfect for you. This is where you need to be. And so um, I came back into academics um, because I wanted to be part of a larger community, but then uh, joined AWEM pretty much uh, in the first few years that it, was, uh, it started. And um, I became awards chair uh, initially kind of right out of the gate uh, and I was hooked. It was, it was, I found my people. Um, and why AWEM as opposed to any other women focused group? Because it was specifically for academic women. Uh, it wasn't, um, it, it also had a, a lot of very successful women that were starting it and I thought that was a, a great place to start, not just um, uh, a few friends that were getting together. This, the, their mission statement and everything that surrounded it seemed like it was, it was going to be successful because it was started by very successful people. Um, and how has AWEM affected your career since then? For, um, for me, it's really, um, it's, it's been my, um, sort of my life vest when I start to get, feel like, you know, the clinical work is getting too stressful or um, the, you know, the publications are getting rejected or any, any low, low time, I just look to all the great things that AWEM does and how I can be a part of a much bigger community. Uh, that, that really keeps me going and keeps me interested. That's great. Can you point to any specific AWEM initiatives or projects that might have had the greatest impact on your career? On my career, I would say just the the real push towards um, publishing. Honestly, I I admittedly have a um, I'm not the best writer. I think because of AWEM, I've gained confidence in my writing skills. Um, a lot of my publications have come out of collaborations with different members of AWEM and different members of our 
research committees and and learning from them and realizing that, you know what, I'm actually not a bad writer. <laughs> um, because you see how other people organize their work, you see how they organize their writing, you see that they fail and they figure it out, and so then you can fail and you can figure it out and, and it validates everything that um, you're good at and it validates um, all of your, that you can rise above from any setback or failure. Definitely, and that's really important. Um, so how did you go from there to being president? What impacted your desire for a leadership role at AWIM? Um, I think, uh, you know, most of it was that I, I had been a part of AWIM for a really long time, and I saw that um, um, it was something I really believed in. Like, I am a big proponent of um, a sense of community, a sense of camaraderie, and I just wanted to keep that momentum going. Um, I, I mean, gosh, I started out as awards chair. I did that for a couple of years. And then I mentored other people in the awards chair position. Then I went to, at that time, we had this um, member at large position, which was kind of ill-defined. Um, and then from there, I became secretary. Or maybe I was secretary first, and then I don't know what order. but. And then at, that, at some point, I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to try to be president because it just seemed like the natural next step. That's um, great. So. And you mentioned that you started out on the awards committee. Tell me a little bit about that and why that's important for women in academic emergency medicine. So awards are, um, there. there's not, it's no secret that m more men get awards um, that are impactful for their promotional packages and for their own validation. Um, and so when we looked at the data of um, women receiving some of the top-notch awards in emergency med medicine, whether it's through a SAM or ASAP, it was almost all men, except maybe for some of the education awards. And so um, we wanted to have a space where we recognize impactful women. And so that's where awards came in. Um, we started out with just three, uh, or maybe four, and then from there we um, moved it, and now we have a, a lot of awards. It's it's a whole, it's this whole beast of its own, um, and the awards um, program has really, um, really uh, sort of just taken off. Um, and so this way we can recognize people that would otherwise be overshadowed by you know, or, or might be overlooked because of unconscious bias in the selection process of other uh, national awards. When did you first perceive gender inequality to be a problem in your career? In my career, gender inequality. So I went to an all-girls high school, and um, I didn't think of gender as being a thing because I went to an all-girls high school. And um, it was a really good space for me, looking back, I hated it while I was there, but looking back, I thought it was a really good um, space for me because I, I just, it was like, you know, president of everything and anything was a girl, you know, it was never a question. I got to college and I found myself basically mansplained, you know, in every leadership position. Um, and there was one guy who, who was like, oh, as a freshman, he was like, oh, I thought you were a senior because you're so confident. And I was like, oh, I better tone that down. And I remember, I remember that conversation. I remember exactly where it happened. I remember exactly how it impacted me in terms of my, um, my own um, confidence and, and self-worth. 
As far as medicine as a career, it's just, it's never been, it's never not been there. So for me, in a lot of respects, I just thought that was normal. Um, I think I remember times when a surgical chief resident, a female, made a comment when I was a third year medical student that all women should wear makeup and look their best when they are working. And this was a surgical chief resident female that said that to me. And I was like, well, I don't even know how to put on makeup. <laughs> I don't know that stuff. Um, but I just thought that was a very uh, sexist, biased thing for a woman to say to another woman and very degrading. Um, I remember other times when um, I would use a pen that was like a different color, like it was pink or something like that. Uh, and a male uh, attending would say something like, oh yeah, um, you know, there are only certain types of people that use pink pens. Things like that. Like it, they, were, they were subtle, but they, they've obviously stuck in my mind for a really long time. I think a lot of that has been erased because of AWEM. I think there was a lot of reworking of, of my wiring because of AWEM. Can you be a little bit more specific about how AWEM has helped rewire that for you? Uh, I think just hearing stories of other women that had the same exact experiences, but they didn't take it, you know? They were like, oh yeah, that happened to me, and I just stood up for myself. I spoke up, and I, and I talked back, mm -hmm. and I wasn't the, you know, nice girl, and, you know, I broke those barriers because I was willing to take risks. And taking those risks takes, takes a lot of um, guts and, and, and just really facing those fears of somebody saying, oh, she's, she's um, difficult, you know? So, and so being surrounded by women that were just like me made it okay to be me, if that makes sense. How has AWEM impacted your career, perhaps in terms of gender equity in pay or promotions? So now, whenever I go in to meet with my boss, um, because of the didactics that AWEM has done at SAM and negotiation didactics and kind of um, talking to women that are chairs that are willing to share their secrets, whenever I go in to talk to my chair or any, any boss, really any situation where I know I'm going to have to negotiate something, I go in with data. And I learned that because I went, I, because of AWEM, you know. I learned that because I went to those sessions and I was really paying attention. Um, I go in with data about how much I've done, how much what I bring to the table. It's not like, hey, I need to buy a bigger house, so, or hey, I'm having another kid, so. It was like, no, this is what I bring to the table. This is my ask. Tell me what I can get to get there to get that ask. And so having, a stronger voice because of bringing in, into things that the chair cares about, that, that was a, a huge lesson that I learned. So it's not just about me, it's what I, it's what I can do for them. So. Yeah, absolutely important. Um, and can you describe, based on your own experience, how leadership in an organization like AWEM might be considered, for example, for academic advancement? I think it's a, it's a huge national organization at this point. It's the largest academy in SAEM. Um, under my watch, we had uh, 250 members, um, give or take. And you know that is not a small number to manage. Um, 
And we have a organizational structure that is large and complex. Um, and so managing all those people who are effectively, if you were looking at a job in business, they would be direct reports. And so looking at it from a point of view of being running a company or running an organization, I mean, that was a pretty big deal. And so that skill set of leadership um, is something that, uh, that you don't necessarily have the opportunity to get if you were not part of an organization like A1. Absolutely. And how have you perceived that a leadership role in a women-focused professional organization has been perceived relative to a leadership role in any other type of national organization? By, by people at work or in general? Anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't think about what other people think as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. and, and that's because of AWEM, right? Like I, I know that I have a lot of pride in my work through this very um, large, complex, and productive organization. And I'm very proud of that. So if anyone says, hey, you know what, oh, it's just a women's group, or hey, what do you do? Do you like, you know, just go to dinners or something? I just answer by saying exactly what I'm saying here, is explaining this, these are our accomplishments. I, you know, I led an organization that was 250 people. It's triple the size of our faculty. So yeah, I'm very proud of that. And it doesn't matter that it's a women's organization or not, because these are women that are so, um, they, they um, each one has their own um, uh, light. And, and we, try to, we try to amplify every single person that's part of our, our group. Yeah, and it's so important. How have you seen ALM change? Over the years, I mean, I've, oh, I've been a part of it for eight years now, and um, it was smaller, um, more intimate when I first got there. Um, at the organizational structure has ballooned. Um, we have vice presidents, multiple vice presidents now that we did not have before. Um, we have the executive council that's very large all by itself, and then we have lots and lots of people um, on the committees, and, and so, and everyone wants to be involved. Um, I think it's, um, it doesn't have, uh, and I think because it's such a huge group, you do need that organizational structure, and you do need to create opportunities for people to take, take on leadership and take on a project, or, um, so it's just gotten bigger and better and more complex. And how do you anticipate the needs of women in academic emergency medicine might evolve in the next 10 years, and how AWEM might meet those needs better? Um, I think in the next 10 years, what we're going to see uh, is we're, we're at a point where it's cool to be a woman in, a woman in medicine, where its programs are um, specifically made for women in medicine. And I think that... Uh, in itself set, speaks volumes about where we're going to be in 10 years. I think we're, we're just going to continue to take risks, take on leadership, and tell our stories of how we got there. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, women that are um, going for uh, traditionally competitive male positions. And, um, you know, if you look at papers that have been published from the mid-90s um, to the early 2000s, it's like, it's like rinse, repeat. You know, some of these papers that were written about gender inequities in, in medicine, they're saying the same 
thing that we're saying. We are just rinse, repeat. It's like a broken record. And I'm really tired of this, of this record. I think hopefully in the next 10 years, we'll look, at, look back and say, um, you know what, things have changed. Things have really changed. And so there was a paper I was reading just the other day. It was published in 2001. And it's exactly the same stuff we're talking about now. Nothing, nothing has changed. The needle has not moved. And hopefully in 10 years, because of organizations like AWEM, because of things like the you know conferences for women, we will not be having, we will not be sit, sitting there rehashing the same research questions again. I hope you're right. I'm going to pivot a little bit uh, more towards you personally. What career accomplishment would you say that you're most proud of? Career accomplishment that I'm most proud of? Uh, gosh, I, I think just getting through med school and um, becoming matching in emergency medicine, I think just it, it's so basic for me. It's just being who I, where I am right now. Um, it's not after residency, it's just getting through it. <laughs> that is an accomplishment, absolutely. What piece of advice might you give a younger version of yourself or an AOM member at an earlier stage of her career that perhaps you didn't know? Uh, you know, honestly, I would say go to national meetings and join groups like AOM. Um, find your people, find your raft. If AWEM existed when I was a resident, I think my career trajectory would have been a little bit less choppy. You know, it would have I would have taken turns at different places, and I would have had a had this network of mentors that automatically automatic mentors rather than trying to seek out um, people. I just I would just have a network, and it would be easy. Um, please name three other A1 members we should consider interviewing, one perhaps around your career stage, one who's more junior, and one who's more senior. Okay, so I've been thinking about this. More junior, I would say interview Sarah Dubs at the University of Maryland. Um, can I give you more than, okay. Um, Danya Cujo, also at the University of Maryland. More senior would be like Tracy Sanson, who's here, by the way. Um, Tracy Sanson is a good one. Jill Barron is a good one. Um, Angela Mills. There are many, many people above above us. Um, but at my level, you know, I'm in the same cohort as Dara and Esther, and so I, I would interview Dara. Um, who else? Oh, Asia Lifebridge. I think she's sort of at my, my level. Um, and Eva Pierce, who's at UT Houston, or Dallas, one of those UTs. Eva Pierce, she's, she's I think, the immediate past president of um, ADEM. Awesome. So, yeah. Great. Terrific suggestions. Anything else I didn't ask about AWEN or about women in emergency medicine that you'd like to share? I think the one unique thing about women in emergency medicine in particular is that we tend to collaborate. Um, and honestly, the culture of AWEM is collaborative. So people who are in it for themselves don't last very long uh, in AWEM because they are slowed down. Collabor a collaborative process is slower than if you were just to pummel through something by yourself, depending on what that is. Um, but I think 
AOM really, um, the reason why I have kept on with AOM and probably will for my entire career is um, the fact that it's so collaborative. Um, no one is, hopefully no one feels like they're left out or not invited or, you know, that's just not, I don't know, I just feel like, I feel like we make an effort to, to be inclusive. Thank you so much, Dr. Sethiraman. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time when we speak with Dr. Tracy Madsen from Brown, the new president-elect of AWEM. See you next time.